A&B Weekly Wrap-Up. I am Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder. Jackson, how are you feeling after a great Thanksgiving break? Uh, I'm feeling nice and full, Bobby. All right, that's good. That's good. I'm glad to be back here with you. We have this week and next week before we hit the winter break. So this week we mainly focus on college football. At the very end, we'll talk a little bit about the NFL. Crazy, crazy week. Alas, this past weekend with Ohio State beating Michigan in the game. A lot of controversial going on with that. Uh, Jackson, what, you, what was your takeaway from the whole game itself? Well, I said going into this game, um, whenever someone would ask me uh, if I thought that Michigan could pull off the upset here, and I don't know if it really was an upset, but um, or if it would have been an upset, but I said the only way Michigan wins this game is if they take it back to old-style Big Ten football, where it's a slow-paced, low-scoring football game that's around – uh, that's uh, under 14 points for each team. I'd say say like 14 uh, points, 17 points, and that's and that's how it started off. And so that's how Michigan was taking the edge in the beginning. They were up 17 to seven at one point. It was a slow moving game. Their defense was looking good. Ohio State uh, kept getting pinned back by all those punts, um, and that's the way Michigan needed to keep playing. But they couldn't. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't hold this high high paced. Ohio State offense. I mean, there's only so much you can do if you're if you're playing Ohio State in this Buckeye offense. They've got so many playmakers. Curtis Samuel is like he's broke out to be a huge a huge player in college football right now. I think he leads the uh, he leads the country in yards per touch. He's just a huge playmaker, and Urban Meyer always has those kind of guys. But it, it's just hard to it's hard to play that old style uh, defensive game. Um, against Ohio State because they're so they're so powerful on offense and that, and that's where they fell. I mean they gave up 13 points to them in uh, overtime, but uh, seven in the third, three in the fourth. You can't you can't you can't hold Ohio State past that. No, I agree with you. Uh, the very the first half and the first three quarters for Ohio State was very boring. It looked like very conservative game. The Buckeyes looked like they're playing the same game they had the week prior at Michigan State. Nothing was rolling. Well, you got to give props to Michigan's defense. Defense came out and showed up. They were locked down the whole time. The only touchdown in the first half for the Buckeyes was Spate throwing that pick six uh, on that play-action fake deep, deep in their own territory. Uh, very confusing what the whole play call was about. Um, but like you said, it's just so hard to hold this Ohio State offense contained for so many for so long. Finally breaks it open, and then in overtime, it's very hard holding a, a high-potent offense to 25 yards or less when your back's against the wall. Um, like we said, though, a lot of controversy. So go to the first down uh, on the fourth and inches in the, the second overtime. JT Barrett, if you guys don't know, uh, tried to do a QB sneak to the left side. Uh, got take, got hit low, which pulled his legs back, and he kind of fell on his uh, blocker there and fell backward. The line judge gave him the first down at the 15-yard line. If you look at it from other, other views, it's hard. You really can't tell. That's why the, the play upheld. The next play, Curtis Samuel runs around the uh, side and scores on a on a sweep there, and the Buckeyes win three to twenty seven. Was that the main reason why Michigan lost? Did he make it? And is Harbaugh right for complaining a little bit? No, I mean you're you're a head coach. You're going to complain. Harbaugh likes to complain, but uh, a lot of coaches like to complain. Everyone likes to blame the officials. Michigan didn't lose that this game on that one play. They they lost this game because they stopped playing the way that they did in the first half. Their defense gave up. And, and it is hard to hold in Ohio State. Their offense is uh, insanely talented. But um, 
Michigan lost because they allowed this game to go into overtime. They allowed Ohio State to come back from a 17 to 7 17 to 7 deficit. That's why they lost this game, not because of some controversial call in overtime. And when I watch that play again, I think that it, it, it it's I think the right play the right call was made there. Um I don't know. Coaches are going to complain about everything. Everyone's going to complain. But when it comes down to you complaining over one specific call, that does make a difference in a tight game. But they they gave this game to Ohio State. They should never have allowed it to go into overtime. Now, here's the thing where I'm going to agree with you, but switch it up just a little bit. I'm going to put the loss on Harbaugh and Spade. Spade played hurt, yes, and O'Korn was a backup and probably would have played better than O'Korn did if he would have came in regardless. But Spate turned the ball over three times in this game. They lost the turnover battle three to one. He threw two interceptions, one pick six, and he also fumbled the ball on the one inch line. That is pure luck for Ohio State if you're an Ohio State fan watching that at home, thinking, okay, we're about to go down even more. The ball comes out and it just falls under Taekwon Lewis, I believe, his arms there. The uh, Buckeyes ended up, I think they got a field goal to that whole possession, but regardless, that is sure points for a Michigan team, whether it's a field goal or not. And then if you look at the other side of the ball, even if they didn't go to overtime, you got to be, if you're Tyler Durbin or the kicking game for Ohio State, you got to be questioning yourself. The kid didn't miss a single kick the entire year other than the blocked kick at Penn State. Then he misses two. One was really bad the first half. The second one was an extra point. He was so out of it. His mind was out of way out there. My dad even said it. He said, it, thank God Ohio State won this game because this guy's career and life could have been over. I mean, he could have been living with that. Just absolute hell of a, of a scenario there, missing two kicks. And uh, obviously it showed in overtime when it was a fourth and inches. The Ohio State could have kicked the extra point or kicked the field goal, which would probably have been around a, a, a deep 20, early 30-yard mid-range kick um, to set up the triple overtime. But they went for it, got the first down, and the rest is history. Um, but moving forward, even next year for Harbaugh, uh, the Michigan team this year was the best Michigan team on paper for the last 10 years. And they still get beat. I know it was at Ohio State. There were 43 seniors on that team compared to 44 freshmen for Ohio State. I mean, are they in trouble? No, I don't think so. I mean, if you look at this Michigan team, this is by far the best team that has been there for a long time. And I also thought watching this game that Michigan Michigan looked like the better team throughout the game. And, and, the, and every break went Ohio State's way. And that's why they ended up winning in the end. Um, but Michigan played on the road at Ohio State. Was brought was, the first half was great. They were up seventeen to seven. Michigan is a great team, and I think that if Michigan plays Ohio State, that they would win the majority of the times. If they played ten times, I, I really do, and I think that they would have win at home. And uh, it's just the nerves. I mean, this Michigan team has never beat Ohio State. The seniors on this Michigan team. Have, are graduating and have never beaten Ohio State. Um, they haven't won at Ohio State since 2000. That wears on you. And that, and if you want to say the Harbaugh era changed that, then you're wrong because these kids still have the same the same idea in their head. They're used to losing to Ohio State. So while this Michigan team, I think, was maybe the best team in the Big Ten this year. They they are used to losing to Ohio State, and that's a and that's a huge mental factor. But I think, getting to your point, I think that Harbaugh, these freshmen and these youngsters that have been there, that started with Harbaugh, his draft class is now coming in. 
this is a different era for Michigan. I think they're gonna they're seeing this game and they and they see how close they are to beating Ohio State. Ohio State will still be great. They've got Urban Meyer, but I think this this rivalry is gonna be great for a long time, as long as the two head coaches are battling it out up there. I think that both of these teams are going to be good for a long time. Now, looking at the head coaching, like you said, going back even a couple, uh, 10 years, 15 years, when John Cooper was head coach at Ohio State, he couldn't beat Michigan. That's why he got the boot. Now, you move forward. Jim Trussell replaces that. He ends up destroying Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr can't beat Ohio State towards the end of his career. He gets the boot. Then, you get three coaches in between there for Michigan who don't even win a game other than, uh, was it Brady Hoke? Yeah, but that was because that was uh, Luke. Uh, Luke. Oh, then the Luke Fickle. The that's the only reason that Michigan won that game was because yeah. of Luke Fickle. So looking at this now, Urban Meyer has been at Ohio State for five years. He has over 60 victories and only five losses in the five years. He also has never lost to Michigan. Harbor right now is coming into his second year, about to be over with the second year, and is at 0-2. How long does it take before he gets on the hot seat? I know you can say he's been a great turnaround for this program and how bad they were a couple years ago, but if you can't beat Ohio State, you're not going to keep this job. This is a rivalry that is that your job is based around this rivalry. That is it. This is his transition stage, though. I mean, he, he took – if you look at that Michigan team that was playing Ohio State two years ago before he came in and took control of this team – they were terrible. This is his transition. He's slowly bringing this Michigan team back to where they can beat Ohio State uh, year after year. And I mean, uh, it will be. It won't be year after year. I think that like next year, um, Michigan it will have another good chance. I, 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 you look at these two teams, and it would be insane if Michigan put Harbaugh on the hot seat after the year that they've had. I'm not saying now, but I'm saying if he keeps but, the trend. If they keep, they had this year, they should have beaten Ohio State. Yeah, they yeah. They should have been perfect. They shouldn't have lost to Iowa and Iowa. The thing that I look at their schedule, it was very weak. Yes, you could say they beat Colorado early on, but Colorado's are not the same team they were that early earlier in September, and they had only two true road games this entire year. I don't count Rutgers as an away game because that's a cakewalk. And they played Michigan State, who still only has one win in the Big Ten. They got destroyed by Penn State this past weekend. They go to Iowa, get beat there. Penn State? Oh. Penn State beat Michigan State. That's past But Iowa, that Michigan went on the road to Iowa, lost, and then they go on the road and lose to Ohio State. you got to win those games. I know it's tough going to hostile environments, but you can't just, just forget for the road games. Like That's how you get up there in, in, the, in the rankings. That's why Ohio State is sitting at 2 at 11-1 without even a chance to play in the Big Ten Championship because they go on the road at to Oklahoma. They go on the road to Wisconsin and find a way to win those games. I know. I'm just saying that this transition stage with Harbaugh, usually it takes more than a year. And with him, it really only took more than a it only It really only took one year. And this Michigan team is great, and they can beat any team. I, I imagine that whatever team they play in the bowl game that they're in, they will demolish. And, and I think that um, this is still... You could say that this is a rebuilding year, but I couldn't. I wouldn't even say that. I would say that they're back on top. But the main point is that there's nowhere but up for, for from here for Michigan and Harbaugh. I think that he's going to come into next season with a new class of seniors who he's had for two years now. They know him a lot better. That's that's his class, and 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 they're gonna they're gonna continue to be a powerhouse in the Big Ten and in college football. And I think that they're going to be better next year than they even were this year, even though they were amazing this year. 
and they're also losing Jabril Peppers. He's not staying for your senior year. He's going to get as much money as he possibly can in the NFL draft. But staying on the subject of coaches, this past week we've also seen a couple coaching changes at the helm. We have Ed Orgeron staying in, in LSU. Uh, LSU tried to reach out and get Tom Herman. Tom Herman said no thank you. Probably a smart decision not going to the SEC East or excuse me, the SEC West and try to compete against Alabama. Instead, he takes the head coaching job where Charlie Strong gets the boot in Texas, and he is now the head coach there, Tom Herman, at Texas Longhorns. Um, Houston is not happy with that whole process at all. I don't know if you saw their AD came out and absolutely criticized the Big 12 in Texas for not expanding because if Houston would have got the acceptance at the Big 12 or in the Big 12 conference, I don't see Herman leaving because he's in a Power 5 conference. They're already better than Texas, and he's getting better recruits in Texas right now. So in my opinion, uh, it's going to be interesting moving forward to see what kind of tension is going to be between those two programs. But who, what's your what's your thought process on all the uh, coaching? Well, this Texas job has been intriguing for so many coaches uh, since they have left the, the since they were last in the national championship and had been on the downslope since then. But no coach can get it done there. It, it they they're struggling week. I mean, year after year, and I don't know if it's just the aura there in Texas. If it's that. The kids there don't want to um, go to that school and play for the Longhorns anymore because you've got A&M and teams like Houston and Texas Tech and Baylor and TCU, some great teams in uh, Texas there. But I, I don't know what it is. I think that it was a poor decision um, for the Big 12 not expanding and letting Houston in, but you can't blame this man. Texas is a it's an established um, program there, and they've had some down years, but that's part of the hype about it. He can be someone that brings this back, and he's looking at it like that. I do have a problem. I know that this happens year after year. I know it happens all the time, but these are his boys. He's led this Houston team and all these kids on this team to being from a pretty bad American Conference uh, squad uh, to to being what they are, beating up on Louisville, making some big wins, beating Oklahoma this year. And then right before their big uh, bowl game, he decides to not even coach that game. They're going to have an interim coach for that game. But they're not going to be that in a big bowl game. Not a big bowl game, but this is that's his team. Finish the year with your team. And that, that's the problem with college football is you got to get these coaches to school. I know. Blame the, blame the system, definitely. I mean, but. That's a whole other story, though. But here's a stat that might make you laugh. Tom Herman this year has more top five wins. There's two of them. They beat Oklahoma at three early in the season and Louisville a couple weeks ago at five. Then Texas has the last eight years combined. <laughs> that is one of the best programs or the biggest name programs in college football, and they don't have more than two I guess more than one top five win in the last eight years. I mean, that's 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 dumbfounding in my opinion for a program like that, especially in a Power Five conference as Texas, who used to end up running the Big Twelve when we were growing up. In the that's what's so, that's so what's so intriguing about this job, though, is everyone said everyone wants that Cinderella story of bringing this Texas Longhorns program back to what it was in the early two thousands and before that, and always before that, um, but. And that just died after their um, last national championship appearance against Alabama when they lost that game. Now, if you're Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, they finished the year, I believe it was 4-8, and eight, not too good. I mean, obviously they were they were uh, BCS Bowl game last year against Ohio State in the uh, Fiesta Bowl. 
this year, everything, the wheels just fell off. I don't know what was going on wrong. Now they get a probation put on by the NCAA. Do you see him looking at other schools that find interest? Do you have any names that possibly could pop up for Kelly to fit with them or maybe the NFL or anything like that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what teams would want him. I know he's a big-name coach. That's a big coaching family. Um, but he's just led this Notre Dame team down the gutter. <laughs> it's, I, I wouldn't want him if I was an AD hire, looking to hire a head coach. I don't know. I, I think there's better options out there. Um, leading a Notre Dame team, and when they when they were in the Fiesta Bowl last year, I know that was a BCS Bowl, but everyone knew they were going to get clobbered by Ohio State. Everyone knew that they weren't a legit team that should actually be in the – Yeah. I, I guess so, but the the, the teams that uh, Brian Kelly under him, um, I don't know. I just don't. I I see that they've put up numbers, but I don't like their scheduling, and that's not his fault. But I there there's just nothing that's been impressive about his teams at Notre Dame, and then this year going four and eight. Um, I don't know. I I wouldn't want him. I I don't know why Notre Dame still wants him. SEC right now. There are a lot of athletic directors in the or the SEC, the best football conference in all of football over the last 10 years or so, that are playing so poorly. And I think a lot of them will be on the hot seat. Not this year, but next year. They don't perform. Uh, I believe Tennessee is another team. That team was projected to be in the top four, the final four this year. They finished 8-4. and four. They lost to Vanderbilt this past weekend. That is embarrassing. I mean, I know they got Butch Jones, and everyone loves Butch Jones there, but if you get a chance to get a Brian Kelly who can recruit there in the SEC, play in the SEC East, and win the SEC East because it's so bad, I think Tennessee is definitely keeping their ears open there. Um, and the rest of the SEC, I don't know what is what is going on with the SEC. I know you're a Georgia fan. Like, they lose to uh, Georgia Tech this week. I mean, everything is so – other than Alabama, the whole conference is pretty much trash. I, I think that sort of has to do with it is because – all of the recruits in the southeast they used to go to where their home state to their home state school and now alabama's been so hot that everybody wants to go to and play in alabama so even even my friends that play football that uh went to uh division 1 programs they they weren't going to go play at georgia georgia got um georgia got some good recruits from out of state this year but everyone wants to go play at alabama and alabama their culture has sort of like engulf the southeast completely and everyone loves alabama that's their team you know, no matter where you're from and it's crazy um but i i think it starts with coaching i don't think that georgia should have gotten rid of mark rick and, and that's a discussion that can be made and will uh, it'll maybe will change in the next couple years hopefully but um steve spurrier has got or no, excuse me um uh south carolina coach defensive coordinator Yeah. South Carolina, the guy that came from uh, Alabama, Kirby Smart. No, 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 that's George's. Oh man, I'm kicking myself for forgetting his name right now. But um, he 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 is not a legitimate coach anymore. He's gotten so many coaching opportunities, and I know he did a good job as a defensive coordinator back in his day. But he got that starting coach, he, that head coach job at um, at Florida. 
Will Muschamp is his name. Um, he got that head head coach start, uh, job at Florida, and he did terribly at Florida. He did not. He underperformed. Everyone was like, "Wow, he's a defensive mind coming to this defensive program." Um, after Urban Meyer left, and everyone was so excited about it, and he led that program into the ground. And um, then he went to Auburn, was their defensive coordinator, go, getting back getting back to what he knows how to do, you know, his fundamentals, defense. He did terrible. That was a terrible defense at Auburn last year, possibly the reason that Auburn didn't make it to the Final Four last year. They had the playmakers, and then they bring him to South Carolina. I don't know why he got that head coaching job, but I guess. I mean, yeah, but why would you hire him after Spurrier? I mean, if you look at the scores, though, for South Carolina this year, the most points other than this past week against Clemson, Clemson is a juggernaut on offense. They don't have much defense. Clemson put up 56 points. Other than that, though, they've been holding most teams to under 25 points. Only Georgia put up 28. uh, And then you go down here, and they guess Western Carolina put up 31. But other than that, they're keeping the score low. They just need a couple offense recruits, and you go from there. You get a good offensive coordinator that can bloom like Tom well, Herman. You never know what can happen. Well, then maybe they're moving in the in the right direction, but they lost this year to teams like Kentucky and Mississippi State. Kentucky just beat Louisville, though. Okay, Mississippi State lost to South Alabama. Yeah. A Sun Belt team. I'm just saying. They were in the top four. They just beat up. The SEC beats up on each other. They they do, but I mean that that sort of. The SEC East is garbage this year. There's nothing that you can say about it. I mean, the SEC beats up on each other, but it's it's so random. And, like, everyone's making those opinions. We're going to wait till bowl season to see how good the SEC really is this year. Um, the funny thing is, though, there's six teams coming out of the East that are bowl eligible and only five out of the West. Yeah, because the because that, that proves to your point that the SEC West is actually full of good teams that beats up on each other. And then the SEC East. Like you said, we're going to see in the, in, the, in the bowl games. I think the Big Ten is going to run away. I think a, a, a one or excuse me, two loss Wisconsin team, if they win the Big Ten championship, they're going to be playing in a nice uh, Rose Bowl uh, game and, and possibly even a Final Four uh, game if, say, a Washington or possibly a Clemson trips up in their game. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I think the, the, the SEC teams that are going to compete don't even want to play anymore this year. I think their whole mindset was like, whatever, we'll get through this year, maybe we can upset Alabama or something like that, and then they get two or three losses. I mean, every team has three losses or more. The SEC East champ is four at eight and three. But, I'm, uh, but I do think that this the SEC West is going to win some bowl games. I mean, you put who are you going to put LSU against? LSU will win whatever bowl game they're in. You say that, but they don't have any offense. So you get a good, if they play against, like, Penn State maybe, they're going to get blown out. That, that, I, don't, I doubt they'll play against Penn State. Yeah, that, but that would be a good competition, which is making my point that LSU has lost what four or five games this year, and the, and then we're saying we're sitting here saying that LSU Wisconsin or LSU Penn State would be a good matchup. That that I mean that proves that they beat up on each other and the, and that they're still a good team. Now looking at the college football rankings, what are your final four? I know right now the rankings just came out today. Alabama sitting at number one, Ohio State at two. Clemson is at three. Washington is up four. Both Clemson and Washington move up one. Michigan was at the three spot, drops down to the five spot. Six is Wisconsin. Seven is Penn State. And eight is Colorado. Everyone after that, I'm pretty sure, is out of the picture. Yeah, well, I I mean, after this week, 
it, it's hard because I wish that the committee would put in the best four teams. And if you were, and if you were the best four teams, I was listening to Colin Cowherd this morning, and um, the be- and I agree with him one hundred percent. The best four teams in college football right now are Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and USC. If you were to put the four best teams right now, that's who I would put in. Yeah, no, I, I'm saying that like if if they are just basing it off of what the actual best teams were right now, what would be? I know there'd be a ton of controversy, but I would put them as the best. Maybe them or Wisconsin as the best um, opponents for Ohio State and Alabama. I would take Cle- I would take Washington out 100. percent Clemson I would also take out because the ACC has looked even worse as we've gone on uh, this season. Um, and then, and then you look at it. You're going to put in maybe Michigan, Wisconsin. I would have Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and USC. You can't put in three Big Ten teams there. Yeah, but I think it's a completely different USC team now. I don't think they. That's what I'm saying. They're, that's, they're not a legitimate choice, but that's why, that's why, that's why cowards get all, all, all like the, the hate mail and all that stuff for it. I mean, that's his opinion. He's not a part of the committee, so it doesn't matter. I know you're saying the hot, the best teams. They're, they're also the hottest team. The, the Pac-12, in my opinion, also doesn't deserve to be in there. They don't play anyone outside the conference. The one time that uh, USC did, they get blown out. So I mean, that's your one chance to shine. You only put up less than 20 points. You're not looking too good, in my opinion. I have Michigan sitting at four. I think Michigan proved on Saturday they can play in a hostile environment. They should have won the game. A couple of things broke Ohio State's way. I would have them at four. Um, Clemson has to win this weekend. I think Washington's on the outside looking in. Uh, Ohio State is a lock even this week in the committee members' eyes. They even talked about that. They said Ohio State is so far in front of Penn State. And even with Michigan sitting at five, there's no way – Penn State's going to jump both Michigan and Ohio State with the tiebreaker Michigan has over Penn State, and Ohio State also has a tiebreaker over Michigan. So Penn State's in trouble, but they're going to get a nice bowl game this year if they do end up beating Wisconsin this weekend. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, So, yeah, I've had Michigan, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama at my Final Four. Uh, Do look at the matchups this week, the the few college football games this entire weekend. Of course. All right, well, just give me a rundown. I know this is not a major game, but our Ohio Bobcats – Clinched the Mac East this past week on Tuesday. They beat Akron nine to three. This was the first college football game this year where no team scored a touchdown. Hard to believe. First game in the all of college football. All year that both teams did not score a touchdown. Wow, that's crazy. Four field goals, three going Ohio's way. Louis Zervo's been the man so far. They are up in Detroit playing number seventeen Western Michigan. Broncos, you rowing the boat this week with them with P.J. Fleck? Because if they win this game, you know P.J. Fleck is probably on his way out going to a nicer uh, team than Western Michigan. And Western Michigan is also getting a BCS bowl bid. Yeah, I mean, I think P.J. Fleck will be on his way out if they win or lose this game. I mean, even though I'm an Ohio student and an Ohio fan, it's it's hard to say that they've really got a shot at beating Western Michigan uh, in Detroit. Um, 
But PJ Fleck is probably out, if not this year or next year. I don't know what coaching op- which coaching spots are going to be up after this season is over. I mean, I'd love to see him come down to the SEC. He's a energetic coach with a he he. If you watch him, he sprints up and down the sidelines constantly, and he's just in in his co- in his players' faces and his assistant coaches' faces. He's in everybody's faces. It's his way or the highway, one hundred percent. And he brings an attitude about him that's a winning attitude, and he won't accept anything but that. So I think that that would be really that'd be a good uh, attitude to see in the SEC East. Maybe bring out a powerhouse there. The, the thing I would like to look at with PJ Fleck is everyone's jumping the gun saying how he's such a great coach. It's hard for me to put all my all my chips in one basket with him just for one thing only. He has never had a coordinator position before he became head coach of Western Michigan in 2013. He was Ohio State grad assistant in 06. He was a Northern Illinois wide receiver coach from 07 to 09. He was a wide receivers coach at Rutgers for 10 and 11. And then the Buccaneers wide receiver coach in 2012. Then he became the head coach uh, job at Western Michigan. He's been 29 and 21 so far. So if you take off all the wins this year, he had a losing record coming into the season. Well, this Western—I mean, Western Michigan is not a historically good team in the MAC. This is like one of the first years that they've actually been good. You've usually got the other two teams in Michigan ahead of them: Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan in the MAC ahead of them year after year. And this is their first year. I mean, but that's—but that speaks to that it takes a couple years to get this team rolling. And I don't know how great of a coach he really is. But even if you look last year, the way that Western Michigan played Ohio State, Western Michigan. We made it a very close game. I don't completely remember the score of that game, but I remember watching it, and Western Michigan had it close at halftime. Um, I, I think he's a good coach. He's a, he he brings an attitude with him that is very, and that's the most important thing about him. He really is. He's he's stood out to me ever since the first game that I've ever seen him coach at Western Michigan. No, you're you're right. He, he definitely brings a swagger that no one else has in college football. Uh, players coach last year, Ohio State beat. Uh, Western Michigan, 38-12. to 12. You were right, though. It was very close until the end. Um, That's also when Ohio State was going through its quarterback duel with Cardell Jones and J.T. Barrett. They weren't really rolling together. So the spread is 18-and-a-half. Do you have them winning that game and covering the spread? Uh, I don't have them covering the spread, but I do have them winning that game. I will definitely watch out for this game, folks. 18-and-a-half points is a lot of points. Ohio defense has been unreal this year. They're not playing outdoors. They're playing in the dome up in Michigan at Ford Field. Uh, Detroit, excuse me. So I would, I don't know. I really want to pick an upset here. I think Ohio's ready to, to, to shock the world. I mean, when have they usually? Usually in big-time games, they come through. Um, so keep an eye on that one. That's Friday night at 7 p.m. on ESPN2. Now the game I am the most intrigued about, the Pac-12 championship. This is 9 o'clock. That is also on Friday on Fox. The number eight Colorado Buffs, this is the first winning season they've had in 10 years. They're sitting at number eight in the polls. Playing the Washington Huskies at number four. Uh, Washington wins. They might, I mean, they still might not even get in if they win this game, but I mean, you pretty much have to lock them up at 11 1 the Pac 12 champs. Uh, they're very, very slimly, have a slim lead over Michigan, is what the head committee chair member said. Who wins this game? Washington's favored by seven points. Well, just looking at this matchup, it shows how weak the, the Pac 12 is this year. When have you seen in the Pac 12 a championship game with Colorado against Washington, really. I mean, you don't have the big-name schools in there. Where's Oregon? Where's USC? Um, But Colorado is not legit. 
Um, Washington may be, I don't know. That win over Washington State, that big blowout win last week, was very impressive to me. I didn't think that that was going to go that way. Um, but I think Washington will win this game. But I, if you had Washington playing USC again, I mean, they lost that game. USC would kill Washington. I do think that USC is the best team in the Pac-12. But if they end up putting Washington, if the committee ends up putting Washington in the college football playoff, Oh, man, that's such a mistake. W- Alabama will walk all over them. I mean, yeah, but you have to, you have to I guess, look at their – I mean, the resume is really bad. I mean, it's, it's the, I mean, their record is really the only thing that stands for them and their quarterback. And their quarterback and the points they put up and also having a conference champion and a major power five. But their schedule right now is worse than Baylor last year. They said Baylor-esque, but in my opinion, it's worse. They had the 126 out of 127 – uh, strength of schedule, non-conference-wise. I mean, they played nobody. I mean, you got Rutgers and Idaho. Those are the two Division One teams. You play like believe, Portland State. I mean, that's pathetic in my opinion. If you're if you're trying to compete and try to make that Final Four, I hope Colorado shocks the world. They win this game. Let them have a very nice bowl game. They do not deserve to be in the Final Four as well. They'd also get mauled by uh, Alabama. I think a Big Ten school. I'm saying Ohio State. I think is a lock in number two right now. I think if you put. Wisconsin or Michigan, and let them battle it out with Wisconsin, uh, with Alabama. Alabama hasn't been punched in the face since Ole Miss, and that was back in September. Yeah, you could say that LSU game was tight, but LSU didn't score a single point. They weren't like threatening the whole time, like, uh-oh, Alabama's losing. You get an offense like Michigan and a defense like Michigan, or even a defense like uh, Wisconsin, and put an okay offense on the field, we'll have a ball game. I want the best four teams in there. I'm agreeing with you there. I'd like to see Colorado win this game. Uh, seven points. It's in the uh, Levi Stadium, the new 49er Stadium in Santa Clara. I'm pulling for the Colorado Bucks. Uh, moving down here uh, to the SEC Championship, number one Alabama Crimson Tide, facing off against the three-loss SEC East winner. That's eight and three Florida Gators, 24-point favorites for Alabama. Do they cover the spread? Because I don't see them losing. Even the dude losing, not losing or moving out of that final four. Oh, they're not going to lose. I don't know if they're going to cover the spread. I mean, the Gators do have a good defense uh, down there. Um, They're playing it in the Georgia Dome, so it'll be a good uh, neutral spot there sitting in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Alabama's going to win this game big. There's no question about it. And it's going to speak to how weak the SEC East is and how how ahead of the SEC, but really, I mean, almost every program is. I'm interested to see because the only two teams that I would have – possibly giving Alabama a run for their money, maybe beating them, um, could be Michigan and Ohio State. I think that both of those teams have the defense and especially the offense to be able to compete with Alabama. Um, but Alabama's not going to take this game seriously. They're probably going to – and it's impossible for them to even overlook Florida because Alabama's too good to overlook teams. Alabama's not there. It's in existence. Uh, we saw it last week when they played Florida State. Florida State destroyed them all over holding uh, four under 15 points. I think Alabama will walk through this game. I think Jalen Hurts sits out the whole entire fourth quarter. If he does play, good luck for him padding the stats. Uh, here's the game of the night on Saturday night, the ACC Championship. Deshaun Watson, the quarterback for Clemson, uh, is probably the most or the highest chance of the outside shot of winning the Heisman Trophy and taking over there um, for Lamar Jackson for Louisville. He's got one more game on the resume here against Virginia Tech. Uh, does Virginia Tech have a chance in this game? I mean, there is going to be a shootout. There's going to be no defense in this game. 
who I mean, the ACC has no defense at all, but who would have thought that Clemson would be playing Virginia Tech? And everybody <laughs> asked me Ohio State how bad their schedule is, but now look at this. Virginia Tech is the ACC, uh, was it Coastal Champions? Or, or, or Atlantic, whatever. It is. Yeah, they're the Atlantic. Three, yeah, they're one of the two. Uh, they're sitting at 9-3, 10-point dogs against the number three Clemson team. I see this game being tight. Uh, you see it being tight? There's just no defense. I don't think anyone can stop anybody. Last week we saw, uh, who was it that broke the record? Pittsburgh broke the record playing against Syracuse for the most points in a single game. I think it was 75-61. Are you joking me? 75 points. There was 19 touchdowns scored in that game. Grow up. Put a defense on the field. There's going to be no defense this game. The defense this year in college football altogether has been terrible. Besides the Big Ten. Besides the Big Ten. LSU and Alabama as well in the SEC. But, I, I mean, I see Clemson win this game and, and making themselves a lock in the Final Four. And then the Big Ten Championship. Is there any way Wisconsin or Penn State making that Final Four? I don't see any way that they make the Final Four because I think that Michigan, in in my eyes and in the committee's eyes, I assume, um, is going to – the second best team in the Big Ten. And, I mean, the Big Ten is the best conference in college football right now, so I could see the committee. I do think that they should put in two teams from the Big Ten, um, but th- that would be Michigan. And I and this is an intriguing matchup because I've thought about this all year. I've thought that Wisconsin's probably the better team, and I do think that they're going to win um, this game. It's going to be close, slow-scoring game. But I, I don't see, no matter who wins, no matter how impressively, how impressive, well, I take that back, actually. If if Penn State puts up a huge game, it's not going to happen because they don't have the offense. They have been putting up points, though, as of recently. They've been blowing my mind about how many points they've been putting up, especially late, later on in the season. But go ahead. Yeah, uh, but unless Penn State makes a huge statement by blowing out Wisconsin, I don't see them jumping Michigan in uh, consideration for the college football playoffs here. But I, I'm looking forward to that game. It's going to be... It's going to be a close one. It's going to be a good, old-fashioned, hard-nosed Big Ten battle. All right, we're going to switch gears here, but before we do, uh, I just want to talk about the spread there. Alabama's favored against Florida by 24 points. If Alabama played against your Cleveland Browns right now, the spread would be 24.5 points in Vegas. That tells you something. What would you? I mean, who would you pick in that game? <laughs> I mean, I, I realize the Cleveland Browns should win the game because they have a, a roster loaded with NFL players and they're the best at that position. But I mean, Alabama's got players ready to get drafted. Ohio State last year was the same way. Could you see the spread being closer? Or could you see Alabama being the spread at least? Um, I don't know. I think that. I think that Alabama might have a chance just because the chemistry the players play with. Uh, to pl- that the chemistry that college players have towards each other and their team is unlike any NFL team and a team like Alabama with that swagger about them and they're not used to losing down there um but uh, they're not going to beat a pro team I mean I, I, I'd love to see stats like this I'd love to actually see that game but uh, I don't I don't think that they would cover the spread I think it'd be if you, you think about it you've got RG3 a Heisman player on the sidelines where you're not even a good not a good player at all in, in the NFL right now and I mean he, he might not be as good as he was when he was playing in college football anymore but like just take that into consideration um I think the Browns would win that game big and they, they are terrible though <laughs> Huge seller, though. I think a lot of fans would want to watch that just to see what would happen. Um, but going back to Thursday night, I mean, it was uh, Thanksgiving across America, and America's team came out, and again, Ezekiel Elliott 
shining. Cowboys win 31-26 against probably the second best team in that uh, NFC uh, East division against the Redskins, beating them 31-26. The Cowboys hold the best record in the NFL. Are they your Super Bowl, I guess, favorites coming out of the NFC? No, I don't. I don't think so, and I I still believe that they aren't ready. I mean, um, you said that Washington's the best, the second best in that division, but I don't even think so. I think that the Giants are better than Washington, um, and then you've got Philadelphia, who still could beat anyone. I know they've fallen off, but I, I think Dallas Dallas is almost there, and it's all because of their offensive line. Um, but they're not quite there. I don't think that they could put up. Okay, so here's here's a stat for you. Um, so this Dallas defense allows quarterbacks to complete 70% of their passes. I don't think that, and, and Tom Brady completes 70% of their passes, his passes, uh, to put that into perspective, imagine the damage Tom Brady would do on this Dallas defense. And I don't even think that they're going to get to the Super Bowl because I don't think that they're going to beat, uh, Seattle. I think that the Seahawks in a head to head matchup, would take care of Dallas. Their defense would dominate them. They'd slow down with their rookie quarterback and rookie running back. Um, I, I do think that they are a great regular season team, and I think that if they keep this uh, this going, I think that if they keep this going into the next couple years, this whole team, this whole roster, um, then they will be up there. But I still think that the two best teams in the NFL with a real chance of winning the Super Bowl are Seattle and New England. Oh, me neither. But it's so hard rooting against this team with Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, me being a diehard Ohio And State Dak fan, Prescott, too. It's so exciting. It's fun to watch. Absolutely. It's hard, to, it's hard to say that because right now the Bengals are so bad for me. I've given up on it. And a lot of my friends are saying, just hop on the, the Cowboys bandwagon. It's fun to watch this team. It's fun to see Zeke bust out runs like he has been for Ohio State's entire career. Another thing, he would have been a senior this year. Imagine what he would have done against Michigan's defense. Then that's another thing to put on there. He's a professional. He's unbelievable. But, I mean, the, he's doing this against... Every single team he faces, he just runs all over them. I mean, he's scoring almost two touchdowns every game, especially the big games. Uh, very excited to see Zeke uh, just carry that over. Another another team you got to watch out for, in my opinion, is your Atlanta Falcons. Their offense is still on fire. Matt Ryan is, is giving him a second birth, I feel like, in his career. I feel like a couple the last couple of years he's been falling off the map. Uh, it feels like he just couldn't get over that plateau. And I don't know what's going on. Maybe maybe it's just a whole new weapon core along with Julio Jones, but they're dangerous. Seven and four. I mean, they've got a, a game lead on Tampa Bay, but you cannot rely on Jameis Winston. I mean, to win the division, I still think the, the Buccaneers have a chance to make that playoffs as a second wild card. But I think the Falcons got that, that division almost locked up here in the next couple of weeks. And I do too, but it's just crazy to think that um, – that Carolina has fallen off the way that they that they have. Uh, Atlanta is definitely the best team in that division, but I still think that that's a weak division overall. And I and I love the offensive numbers that Atlanta's been putting up, but I really don't think that they have any chance of beating. I I, I would say that they're like a Dallas team, but weaker. You know, so I would th- I would put them below Dallas. I could see them like maybe winning. The first game in the playoff, but uh, whoever they play, whether it be Dallas or Seattle in those next games in the playoff, I, I don't see them actually having a real realistic uh, chance of winning. And I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they could shock the world, and I'd love that, but um, we'd see. All right, switching gears to the AFC here. 
looking at the AFC West picture, I don't know if you saw that Sunday, or Sunday night game with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. Uh, wild finish in overtime. Both teams kicked a field goal and made it. Uh, the K Kansas City Chiefs drove down the field, had a, I believe it was like a 39-yard field goal to win it with Santos. It hit off the pole, went straight right, and ended up going through it. It was on the left hash mark, hit off the left pole, bounced in. I've never seen a kick like that hit the middle of the pole and bounce in like that. I think the Denver Broncos are in huge trouble. The defending Super Bowl champions, they're finally you have you have tape on Simeon. I don't think he's that that good of a quarterback. The only reason why I'm still having them in is because their defense is so strong. I think Kansas City is very very tough team. They're, they they don't lose at home. They got Andy Reid, who's a veteran veteran coach. Um, Alex Smith is playing great. I mean, look at look at the the San Francisco 49ers and their thought process in this whole thing. They trade him. They keep Kaepernick. Kaepernick's a head case. And now you get this. You get the Chiefs. Uh, eight and three, only a game behind the nine and two Oakland Raiders. Are the Raiders for real? Uh, well, uh, they're the exact. They're the equivalent of the Cowboys in the AFC. Uh, I think that they're worse than the Cowboys, though. But Oakland is they're they're playing great right now, and they're just and Derek Carr is having a great year. That that uh, that trio with Carr and Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree that's one of the best in the NFL if not the best, um, behind like maybe Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. But those are three great playmakers. But I still don't see them in, down the line actually beating um, New England and having a chance to make the Super Bowl in the, in the AFC. I enjoy watching the, the Raiders, but it's not, it's not quite as exciting. So I don't know what about it, but it's... Well, I'm not going to say I'm looking forward to it because I, I'm not a fan of this team per se, but I would be careful for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the playmakers to, and, and they and they show it, like beating the Colts 28 to seven. That was beating the Browns 24 to nine. That game against the Colts, the Colts were never even close to winning that game. And and the Steelers are a very historically good team. They're a team that can make the playoffs and make a run no matter what their regular season record is. And Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben, he's he's used to doing it, and he's got some great playmakers around him like Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Their defense isn't always that great, but if you look at their re recent scores, I mean, uh, there was only 14 
against the Patriots. I mean, no, I'm sorry, 21 against the Ravens, but then they, they, they buckled down and only nine points allowed the Browns and seven against the Colts. They're starting to get their groove there defensively and um, winning a couple straight here. They've, they've got a weak schedule for the rest of the season. They've got the Giants, which could be tricky, but uh, the Steelers will probably win that game. Then they've got the Bills, the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Browns again. Um, th- th- that's a relatively easy schedule moving forward. I see them making the playoffs and making a run. I don't know if they beat New England, but I, I see them as a good ta- team. I see that. They're very, very tough in the later stretch. I'm going to look at a team in the NFC North, though, the third place team. That's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think they saved their season this past Monday night. Victory against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, excuse me, in Philadelphia. Win that game pretty handily. Looking at their schedule wrapping up, though, they have five games remaining. They play home against the Houston Texans. That should be an easy win. They have home against Seattle. Tough game, but playing at home, I might give the advantage to Aaron Rodgers. I know he hasn't been playing the same way he has in the years prior, but he's got to get out the right time. The Bears are an easy win. The Vikings are falling off the map. And then at uh, Detroit to end the season, that could be a huge game. So I could end up seeing Green Bay win out and be on a six-game winning streak going into the playoffs. That would hold them at 10-6. and six. That's a very scary team come, po- uh, come postseason football. Well, definitely. And, I mean, they've been sort of injury-prone lately. I mean, Clay Matthews dislocated his shoulder this past week. Aaron Rodgers has had problems with his hamstring. Um, but if they, when they get it, when they get their, when they find their groove there in Green Bay, then they are a dangerous team. I mean, they were a favorite going into this year, uh, Super Bowl contender, and they still do have those playmakers and they, and they are a program that is used to winning. They make the playoffs year after year. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see them making a, uh, run against that weak second half of the schedule. All right. That's all I got for this week, Jackson. Anything, any last words you got to say? That's all I got, Bobby. This is Jackson Schroeder along with myself, Bobby Levine on the J&B Weekly Wrap-Up. We have one more week after this, so please take a listen, share it, listen with your family members. Hope everyone had, again, a great Thanksgiving, and we'll see you same time next week.